Sounds like I am. Today's talk is called Here's to Life. It's a toast. Here's to life. Most of us have no idea what it means, really, but uh, it sounds good. You know, what we're saying is, here's to what I like. <laughs> here's what I like. Here, I want to propose a toast to what I like. The hell with what I don't like. <laughs> and, uh, and may what I don't like never, ever happen. And then some days you realize, oh, oh, thank goodness that happened or I'd never be here. So here's to life. Here's to some of the stuff I don't like. <laughs> or at least what I don't yet understand. With uh, One of my least favorite things that people say is, it's all good. <laughs> that really climbs up something in me. And it, uh, because they don't mean it. If they meant it, I would go with it, but they really don't. It's just a way of assuaging uh, hurt feelings and fear and confusion. It's all good. Is it really? Do you believe that? Do you believe it's all good? Shall we go through topic by topic by topic to see if you think it's all good to see what the exceptions? So, but it would sound ridiculous. Well, some of it's good. <laughs> the truth is it is all good because there's no absence of God anywhere. <clears throat> there's confusion about God, but there's no absence of God. And so therefore, yeah, it's all good. But for you to say that without understanding is a little arrogant and foolish. Better find a way to get honest and authentic in what you say in the world and how you express yourself. Yeah, I had this debate the other day with, with a minister who kept saying that. It's all good. <coughs> I'm sorry. I've been choking on my own phlegm this weekend. And I... Uh, and I said, do you really believe that? Well, no, but it's all good. <laughs> I said, you don't believe that. Come on. How are you going to minister to people if you're not uh, saying what you believe? So I do, I inherently believe that we all are inherently good with a capital G. I believe that all beings are inherently good because this good that I speak of has nothing to do with behaviors. This uh, good that I speak of has nothing to do with how we have felt, how we have behaved, what we look like, uh, and, or whether or not I like them. Thank goodness. The goodness of you is not dependent on whether or not I approve of you. And thank goodness. My goodness, my goodness, has nothing to do and is not dependent upon your approval of me. My job might depend upon whether you approve of me, but who I am does not. The good I speak of has no opposite. You know, another one of my least favorite sayings that I, I've heard of, it's become fashionable in the past few years, is I'm just speaking my truth. <laughs> well, no, you're speaking your opinion. You're speaking your current as, uh, assumption. Truth, ha truth has, uh, is so much bigger. Truth is so much more than what you and I speak of. Most anything we say is not truth. Most any word we say or any phrase we say has been so watered down from the truth. And it's, and it's based on our past experiences. It's 
based on our dreams of the future. It's based on our prejudices and our biases. It's, it's so, truth is that which has no opposite. And that's why I can say we, each and every one of us, are good. Because that, to me, has no opposite. That's not my truth. That's my understanding of truth. Truth is that which has, the same as principle, love, they have no opposite. And, and so whenever I said it to whoever before about uh, where man has placed the problem, God has placed the solution. And so love is there within the midst of the problem. And so imagine knowing that every time you get upset, every time, and this has to do with life, because this has to do with loving life or hating life or indifference to life or ambivalence to life. This all has to do with it. My opinions have everything to do with my experience of life. And so if I look at something and I say, this is bad, this is evil, there's no other way to look at it. I've missed out on an opportunity to know love. I've missed out on an, opportun on an opportunity to know life and God and good and the Christ within me awaken now. I, I, uh, so if I throw, throw that away, then I'm just stuck. Now the good news in this is I'm still good. <laughs> Even if I have thrown away every bit of a spirituality that I possess, I am still good in God. I'm in hell, but I'm still good in God. I'm still loved in God. I just don't know it. You know, that's part of the story of the Adam and Eve story, the Garden of Eden story, when they they ate from the tree of knowledge. And that tree of knowledge wasn't a cookie, and it was not an apple. It was the question, is there more to life than this? Is there more than God? Is there more than love? Is it, and there, there was the creation of duality. And that's what that story is about, that allegory. It, it was about uh, the creation of duality in our thinking. That there is both God and me. There is life and there is death. There is love and there is evil. I, man created that by asking those questions rather than interrupting the question. Imagine if we today were to interrupt the question when we are creating duality at any given moment where we are saying, well, there's good and there is bad. And some would say, but Sean, there is bad. There is evil. There is forgetting, is what I say. There is forgetting that one is loved with an everlasting love. And when one repeatedly does that, they go in search of love and usually in the wrong way. So for, for, for me, for many years, approval meant I was loved. For others, having money means they are loved. For others, having power and a job that, that where they, they can be the boss over people is it means they are loved. For others, it means the subway arrives when they walk down the steps. It means they are loved. 
for others. They just know what love is and they can't describe it, but they know they are loved. And you and I are not going to convince them that they aren't loved. And I like those people. I may, you may be some of those people. I could never convince you that you are not loved. Some others of you, I would have to convince that you are loved. And you will fight me tooth and nail to prove how you are not loved. There are people, well, if we are loved by God, how is it innocent children can get sick? Well, that's part of the human experience. That, that, uh, that, that's just part of humanity. We signed up for it when we came here, to the best of, of my understanding. But let's not call sickness bad. Let us begin to affirm that if one is sick, one could remember health. You know, if one falls short of the ideal, one could remember and fall right into alignment with life and love and peace and joy and the Christ awakened in them. One could forget, but one could remember. And that's what we need to be affirming for ourselves and for each other. Yes, I know, I know, I don't like that person very much either. However, that's got nothing to do with who and what we are. So let's not focus on that. Let's not focus on the seeming absence of good in someone. Let's start focusing on what's possible within ourselves and then each other and then that one. Let's begin to affirm the good of God. See, life did not start with this body. It will not end with this body. There's so much more to life that, that we don't know how to contemplate. There's so much more to everything, God and love and peace. There's not one person in this room that could accurately dis to define love, is there? Can any of you define love to your satisfaction? Anybody? I know that's an intimidating question the way I just phrased that, but well, I can. You know, it's one of my favorite exercises David does in the thought exchange. I haven't seen him do it in a long time. Is there anyone here who could stand up while having the thought, I can't stand up? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, so you all have played the game. There's always somebody in, in a new group when David asks it. Well, I can. <laughs> it's like, well, then you just changed your thought. <laughs> you just changed your thought from I can't to I can. And they're like, did it? We had, I did that here once. And a, brand, a newcomer who was, he was not a regular churchgoer. <laughs> was sitting in the back. And he got very upset. He, he was one of those ones. Well, I can. And I said, and he, he started to get belligerent. It's the only time I've ever seen anyone get belligerent during a service here. I've seen speak, people speak out and things and amen, but never belligerent. And, and he calmed down. Some people got concerned. I said, no, he's fine. He calmed down and afterward he came up and apologized and we spoke and he, his, he just had a limited view of the world. And above the Ford dealership was a bigger world than he was prepared to witness that day. You know, it's impressive where things can happen. But what if every single one of us eliminated the word bad from our vocabulary today? Every single one of us eliminated it. And if you catch yourself using it, you say, I've got to find another word. Rather than bad. 
Because you see, if, there, if, if, if I see bad, I must be bad. That's the subconscious going on. Because how could I witness what I am not? How could I identify with that word if I'm not that word? That's why I like the word good more, but I have to believe it when I use it as a book. It's all good. No. So I'll, I'll read a couple of things Charles Fillmore wrote about uh, life. Life. Life, and he, and he says, uh, life does not emanate from the mind. It is not a psychic or purely mental quality, nor does it spring from the physical. Life is divine, spiritual, and its source is God, spirit. The river of life is within man in his spiritual consciousness. He comes into consciousness of the river of life through the quickening of spirit. He can be truly quickened with new life and vitalized in mind and body only by consciously contacting spirit. This contact is made through prayer, meditation, and good works. Now, Charles Fillmore quotes something here from the Occult Review. It's a long time ago he did this. 1926. Page six. <laughs> uh says, even, Charles didn't say this, the, the Occult Review said it, even physical science is finding itself driven to supporting the philosophy of occultism. One of the most astounding statements of modern science is credited to Professor Charles Henry, a mathematician of the Sorbonne, Sorbonne uh, according to a Paris correspondent of the New York Times. And he says, religion was right. He is quoted as saying, the founders of the religions were ahead of the scientists. They reached the same conclusion instinctively that we have at last reached slowly, painfully, by steps of infinite study and precision, none of us ever dies. That electrical radiation, call it personality, individual characteristics, soul if you like, or biological vibration, goes on and on. Set free by death, it seeks another envelope. Because only so it can establish its equilibrium. Uh, I, uh, I looked up occult. says I wanted to find the right definition there. The occult in the broadest sense is a category of supernatural beliefs and practices which generally fall outside the scope of religion and science, encompassing such phenomena involving otherworldly agency as mysticism, spirituality, and even magic. So, what if we were no longer trying to survive? What if life were not about survival anymore, but about awakening? About coming into full awakened consciousness so that we weren't living in fear of this body expiring. So that we didn't have to, so that we, and when I say have to, I mean we have to because we tell ourselves we have to. It, for many people, they are terrified of a uh, physical transition. I have friends who have done such abuse to themselves and yet are terrified of dying. It really impresses me, uh, the things people do to themselves while saying, oh no, I'm so afraid of dying. I was like, then why would you treat yourself this way? And others who just don't pay any attention. Other, but we want to get on the bandwagon of awakening consciousness of awakening, that my life isn't about survival, it's about thriving. 
Many of us have a desire to stay in this body for a very, very long time, and there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing, no criticisms there. I have a good, good friend who's almost eighty now, and he he would not put me on his uh, his papers, you know, to, to sign off on at the end. He said, "Oh no, he'll pull the plug too fast." <laughs> he said, "I want to be here for as long as I can. I don't care what physical shape I'm in. I want to be here." I have another friend who's ninety three years old, and she says. I don't see anybody anymore. I, I barely get out of bed, but I still want to live. So she lives. Great. It's a choice. And then there's others who leave very, very young. And the, some of those, we call, oh, that's a tragedy. Oh, that shouldn't have happened. Oh, but it did happen. And we need to celebrate that life. However long it was here in our earthly terms. In our earthly hours and days, we need to celebrate life that awakened into, as they put it here, that this envelope, which I found fascinating. Uh, I am in an envelope, <laughs> and, uh, and and so. But the point is, what am I doing while I'm in this envelope with this mind and all these chemicals put in this way that are fitting in the puzzle? Am I living life to the fullest? You know, today, today's talk, here's to life. Here's to life. It means it's a celebration. It is a cheers. It cheers to life. And, and, and so to look, at, oh, oh, am I doing what I want to do? Or am I afraid of doing what I want to do? And, and sometimes we block that by saying, I don't know what I want to do. Just for the next hour, what do you want to do? Start there for the next 10 minutes. Are you doing what you want to do now? And if you're not, how can we help you with that? How can we make right now a wonderful thing to be doing? For you to be in this right now. And it's wonderful. Right now in this conversation. Right now in these reminders. Right now with these thoughts at this time, which is made up. Uh, to just be. I remember years ago, I, I was in early recovery, and, and I thought, what if my life never gets better than this? What if my apartment is never bigger than this 350 square foot place I live in that I liked in midtown Manhattan? What if I never have a job that's better than what I do or make the more money than what I did? And it would not be considered a lot of money that I made. What if I'm never in a relationship again? What if, what if, and I thought, would that be okay? And the answer was yes. It was okay that day. I was doing what I wanted to be doing in that moment. I was with people helping others to have a greater process of thought. I was, sir, I was in service. I was good at my job. Even if it wasn't my career, I was very good at my job, the lighting and sound. I, uh, and so I got to do that. I, uh, I was fine where I lived. My apartment was lovely. Even though it would be considered small on most anybody's standards, it, it, was, uh, it was lovely. And I felt very safe in it. And I had friends I felt safe with. 
And I had become a trustworthy person. And that was new. I had keys to people's homes. I thought, how ridiculous. When did that happen? That I, so people started trusting me with their home, keys to their houses. And I thought, oh, because I'm trustworthy today. That was new. And, and, and so I was okay where I was. I had nothing legitimate to complain about. I could dig up stuff if I wanted to, but I didn't want to. My life was something good and the because the main thing i had was a very powerful relationship with a higher power i had a very solid relationship with a god that i liked and i knew liked me i knew this god was not judging me on my past because my past was a blip on my present in the present, in this right now, there's no absence of good. So yeah, you could say it's all good. But let's not kid ourselves. It doesn't all feel good. But because God is good, because I am good, there is good in everything. And I, uh, I encourage each and every one of us not to fight that. Take yeah, but out of the response. Yeah, how do you call that good? I don't know. I didn't make it up that it was good. I just, uh, I know there's good in it. There's good to be found. There's healing to be found. There's life. And there is life overflowing to be found even in physical death. So I encourage us all, if someone you love makes their transition, celebrate them and send them on their journey in gratitude. Send them on their journey in peace and joy and forgiveness. Many years ago when I was someone I didn't want to forgive or I thought I'd get around to it when I felt like it. And a healer friend of mine said, no, you don't want to hold them back. And I thought, no, I don't. My resentments are not significant enough to hold somebody back from moving to the next part of their journey. I have a couple while they're still in their body here. Oh, I'm holding out on for whatever reason. Uh, but I don't want to hold people back from the next part of life. Do you? Is there anybody you would hold back from the next part of life just because you're mad? Just because you wish whatever they did, they hadn't done. Just because you're frightened. Just because you're confused. Everybody, let's get on the bandwagon of here's to life, of the celebration of life. Let's not wait for each other's physical bodies to die to celebrate the life in ourselves and each other. Each morning, look in your mirror and say, Hi, God. Here's the life. Each morning, each night, Hi, God. Here is to life. Here's to life. Hi, God. When you look at other people, you might have to say it silently, but just say, Hi, God. Here's the life. 
Here's to the life in you. The life in me beholds the life in you. The Christ in me beholds the Christ in you. Love in me beholds the love in you. Peace in me beholds the peace in you. Joy in me beholds the joy in you. Presence, power, intelligence in me beholds the presence and power intelligence in all of you. Let's get on board so that when we say it's all good, we know what we're talking about. Thank you.